Tonight on One Mic, we do the NBA Chronicles. Yeah, Rihanna showed up, talking junk to KD, and something went awry. And we're going to talk about that. What's a beef? What is a beef when it comes down to the NBA Finals? What makes a great NBA Finals? What are those keys to, to making it a thriller? Because that first game was a blowout. And so we're going to get into that. It's part of this uh, RSG1 mic, so join us. This thing right here is for my people's in the Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon Trump. Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. So the NBA finals are upon us. And one of the things that we want to talk about today, not just talking about the current series, but there's something that can be special about the NBA finals. There's something that is the difference between those great finals and, and ones that are, are seen as duds, and we don't know what this one is going to become, but after game one, uh, it, it could be uh, whatever it could be. It could be crazy. But welcome to One Mike. Uh, this is a show that we go deep into the topics. Uh, I'd like to encourage you all to also go to RSG, uh, realsportsguys.com. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Check out our other podcast, uh, The Big Show with uh, Phil and Marcus. That's kind of like the uh, Seminar in the Barbershop style podcast, if you like We'll hit multiple topics on that show, a lot of laughs like you get here on one mic, um, and, and you should enjoy that. we got Inside the Park with our own Hank Davis, uh, which is uh, taking baseball beyond analytics, giving you some different insight into baseball uh, that uh, uh, in the national pastime, giving a little bit of a 21st century flair as, as Hank delivers uh, his, 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 uh, his uh, 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 weekly or or a, a seminar on baseball. So you got to like that. That's been one of our hottest podcasts. Uh, you got to love that. And then we got Hustle and Flow. That's with Sekou and, and Marcus, intersection between hip-hop and uh, sports. Um, Sekou has, if you go to our uh, real, uh, realsportsguys.com, every year he puts together his uh, top list of, uh, of albums uh, in that previous year. And it's really insightful, um, and uh, he's been a, a great addition as part of that, as well as we always have some other types of podcasts that we'll drop every once that are specialties. But uh, go check us out, iTunes. Uh, give us that review. We love it. As always, all uh, hosts and the callers are brought to you by our, our good friends of the Carbon World Health. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com. 
connect with Dr. Ernesto Rodriguez and his staff and let them know that the Real Sports Guys sent you. Now, our topic for today, NBA Chronicles. We're going to touch on a lot of stuff in terms of the finals, you know, uh, really getting into um, what's going on in these finals. And the way we're going to open the mic up is beef. Nothing in an NBA Finals when there's a beef, but usually the beef is between players on opposing teams or coaches or, or something like that, or maybe even a fan base or whatever. But we saw something in the first game that I didn't even know was something was uh, Rihanna and, and KD going back and forth. And it got me thinking about these, these beefs that happen between celebrities and, 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 and star athletes. Um, and there's been several over the years, you know, you know, the one that's probably been, the mostly highly touted one is, is uh, uh, the one between Reggie Miller and, and, and uh, uh, Spike Lee, but that's something that's been part of So we're going to get into that. Uh, and then, you know, we'll get into what it makes, what makes the NBA final. Like, what, what are the components of it? You know, beef like this is really good. That adds to the drama. But what else adds to a really good NBA final beyond just the play on the court that you know if you want to have? But what else, what else makes the NBA finals? As well, and then we'll get into a little bit of analysis and kind of thinking about uh, what's happening in, uh, in the series uh, as as we prepare for uh, Game Two here. Um, that might be on as soon as uh, while you're listening to this podcast. But before I do that, I, I, you know, I can't be rude. I got to bring in, you know, my man, Big Bang Hank. You know, the man who can not only prune you and sing, but he gonna cut you up uh, on the air talking about sports. How you doing, Hank? You know, I'm doing real good today, D. You know, last week we talked about the unofficial start of the summer, and today as we go and start our one mic today, we rolled over into the month of June. And what does that mean for all of us is that now we know that as the days go on, it's going to get hotter, the days are going to get longer. And look here, that's only that only feeds into our narrative, bro, because you know we're going to be hot and long and what we're doing anyway. So we, let's just get it rolling. It was so hot, man. I came up in my house. It was hot. I said, well, I got to go down to the basement. I mean, the heat just crept up on us in the Midwest. You know, that Midwest, you know, that's why a lot of teams used to come up here. They come up here to do their camps because of humidity. Uh, coaches love that. Especially in that Midwest, when it turned, like, it just turned the corner on us quick. And uh, But, you know, like we do it, like we're going to ride with it because that's just kind of how we get down uh, uh, on uh, RSG. So let's kick it off with the open the mic. Let's get in this. So kind of set the story uh, a little bit here. Um, Rihanna is a huge Cavaliers and, and King James fan. Uh, I didn't realize how avid a fan she was. Um, and she was sitting first front row. And I guess she was talking the whole time and talking to KD and watched a couple video clips where she yelled brick. And then towards the end of the game, Steph was coming down. KD was on the right side of the floor. Uh, they kicked out to KD, and uh, KD knocked a three down and, and gave her a stare. Not quite the Reggie Miller, the Spike Lee stare, you know, because I don't think he could really go in like that. Uh, but he gave he obviously let her know, you know, it's not happening tonight. And she gave him a look like, forget you. And then on her way out of the arena, she said some crazy stuff like, blank, blank, he's still the king. So, there's a, whole, there's a lot of layers to this. <laughs> there's one question I'm going to ask that has nothing to do with this, this specific thing that's happened between her and KD. It's another element of it that I love to get Hank's feedback on. 
But Hank, I don't know how much you picked up on this because it was something I wasn't. I saw him look to the sideline, and I thought I wasn't sure where Jay Z and those folks were sitting, so maybe he was looking at Jay and somebody. But I quite didn't realize it was Rihanna. So, what what did you what did you take from this? And and do you think KD is going to have a, uh, one of them ruthless Reggie Miller moments on her, or or and could she become like the new Spike Lee? Well, you know what? I think that when I was watching the game, I didn't realize until all was said and done that this little gamesmanship was going on. Outside of the fact that uh, Jeff Van Gundy just totally lost his cool when she walked in to the point where he missed a dunk. I think it was uh, LeBron James did a dunk. He missed it completely because he was checking out Rihanna, which was kind of funny in and of itself. But I didn't realize – that that, that kind of gamesmanship was going on. I had to actually go and research it a little bit. Now, that being said, when you're talking about that that beef between Spike Lee and Reggie Miller, you have to look at that on how that went down, okay? First of all, New York and Indiana played each other often during the regular season, and Spike Lee was always there, and he always gave it to Reggie Miller, okay? So that even became a game within the game. So when you started to you know, add in the element and and the pressures of the playoffs. I think Spike Lee, first and foremost, had a lot of respect for Reggie Miller and what Reggie Miller was as a as a, as a basketball player. You know, but he but he gave him a lot of stuff and, and Reggie gave it back to him. I don't see that. Okay, I think that what you saw in Game One, before you even knew about this whole Rihanna thing, was Kevin Durant went off. Kevin Durant lost his mind in game one. He was he was so wide open, you know, I should have been guarding him, okay, a couple of times on them dunks. All right, from here. I mean, that's how wide open he was on a couple of them dunks that he was looking to get some sort of resistance and nobody was home. He went nobody. off. He played like a man that is looking for his first championship. And I got pride, and, and, and I don't, not to jump ahead, but if he's going to be unstoppable, it's going to be tough on Cleveland now. I think the fact that Rihanna was making so much noise on the front floor, on on the uh, you know uh, first row in California, I think That's that was right. the whole thing. They're not, they're not coming in here, as KD seemed to say. Say you not you ain't got nothing here. This is my house. This is my house. Now you said he can't stare her down like that, and she can say whatever she wants to. All right, but I think it's just another story that the NBA, you know, it it, kind of makes for theater, if you will. But I don't see it. You know, if I'm a casual fan and I just happen to know who Rihanna is, but knowing what I know about some of those real beefs that we used to see, the Spike Lee and his love for the Knicks, not for any one individual player, but for the Knicks themselves. Okay, you taking out my boys. No. Okay, this is a this is LeBron James love. Okay, so it's 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 I want to win because LeBron James. This is from Rihanna's perspective. So you making him look bad or whatever. Okay, I don't see it. I think that once this series is over, you're not going to hear anything else about it. Okay, from a Rihanna perspective. Plus, I don't know if she's got that kind of cachet. Okay, let me throw another one at you. You remember how Jack Nicholson used to always be on the court side of all the Lakers yep. games. He was yep. that fan. So, you know, he yep. gave it to anybody who tried to take it out on his Lakers. All right. But you knew where his loyalties lie. All right. This kind of, in, in my opinion, this kind of just like popped up as the finals went on. You didn't hear, at least I didn't, 
hear about Brianna and anything going on until we got to this point right here. We didn't hear about it last year, you know, and this is something you would think you would hear about before you get to this point where KD is now looking at it and and the, and the press picks it up or because Jeff Van Gundy misses a dunk because he's looking at her, all right? But I think that's just what it is. I think it's a novelty of this particular finals, but not so much as something I think that you can really hang your hat on, nor if you ask my opinion, should you? Yeah, and think about it. It feels like as you described it, you know, Reggie Miller and Spike, the crazy thing about it is I think they they used to go out to dinner, wives, you know, Reggie's former wife, all of them got along together. And the person I felt so bad about was Spike's wife who had to sit next to him while he was just shrinking with every shot that Reggie made. That was like the, the, the funniest part about it. And those beefs felt a lot, a lot like Ice Cube and NWA. These beefs, the beef, like Rihanna's beef feels like today's MC beef. It's like Twitter beef. Yeah. It's like it ain't really a beef. It's manufactured. It's, you know, I'm, I got some albums coming out, and I'm trying to get visibility uh, kind of beef. You know, and, you know, KD's not that really cutthroat. Because I, I would say if that was Reggie Miller, he would have forgot that it was Rihanna. He would have gone at her like she was Spike. There's something about it. If you coming into the game, you're going to be in the game. And it, it, that cutthroat part about it, I don't think KD has in it, no matter what. No. It, Reggie, it didn't matter if he was male, female, grandmother, <laughs> whatever it was. If you were going to try and be part of the contest, then you're going to be part of the contest. You and you weren't gonna be able to get out when you wanted to get out. You're just gonna be part of this thing all the way through. And uh, I'll apologize later. It, 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 it's kind of it, it, interesting. And the thing you describe is like when when Spike was in it, the Knicks were also in it with Spike. When they won that pivotal game in Indiana, you know, you know, uh, uh, Starks and all them came over to Spike. You know, they had his back. Like it was an intimate relationship. In a way that you know, LeBron was out there like not knowing what's going. You know, he was like LeBron, like I'm not part of it. You know, so that exactly, of it, exactly. Where, where, it, where it, so same thing would happen with the Lakers with Jack. You know, someone's over to Jack. You know, Magic and all them, everybody there. You know, they got Jack. You know, they playing for Jack in a sense because he like family. And that piece, it, it, that element of it, uh, uh, isn't part of it. But it's a, it was a good kind of wrinkle, a part of it. And you know, the part that she don't understand, she yelling, they down. You know, twenty five thirty. You know, so it's like, what are you yelling about? You know, he giving them the business right now. You know, you, you should be yelling over at LeBron and them try to get their act together. But uh, that's for another day. But I, that got me thinking about other beasts, man, you know, in sports between celebrities. And uh, just just not necessarily in a championship context, but I wanted to throw a couple out here uh, that were kind of like classic moments. Uh, the Jim Everett and Jim Rome one. <laughs> Where he said, "I bet you won't call me. You, I bet you won't call me again. I bet you. I bet I will. Okay, Chris. And they, you know, they went to tussling on that. <laughs> and that thing has never even ever. And I didn't know where that was coming from, but that was one of them classic moments. I know Rome was probably trying to get some more air, but that was uh, that was. I love that one. That was what he called Chrissy Everett. Man, that was a that that was that was one of them early ones. What did you think about that one? You know what? Let's, let's 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 bring our listeners up to speed. This is back when uh, Jim Everett was the quarterback of the uh, Los Angeles Rams at the time. And he was struggling. Okay, uh, he was a quarterback out of out of University of Purdue. He got he got the job, and he was struggling. And 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 his his heart was really a question. You know, did he have the heart to care to to actually lead that that football team? So he goes on. 
And this is before Rome is burning. This is before the syndicated show, uh, the Jim Rome show. Here was Jim Rome, who was just, like you said, just trying to get it together uh, out in South of California. And, and here he is. He's got Jim Everett uh, on his show. All right. And he was calling him Chris, as in Chris Everett, as, as the, as the, uh, the tennis star at the time, you know, calling him soft. And so he called him uh, Jim Chris Everett, and, and Jim Everett took exception to it. And, and to his uh, credit, he told, he told Jim Rome right during the air that, that you know, uh, I don't appreciate you saying this about me. He had a smile on his face, and I said to he said that, that you need to stop calling me, as paraphrasing, you stop calling me that. And he said that uh, I bet you won't call me that again. And that's when Jim Rome said, well, whatever you say, Chris. And Jim Everett got up and knocked Jim Rome out of his chair, pushed him right out of his chair. Okay, it was kind of fun to watch. And if you YouTube it, just YouTube Jim Everett and Chris and uh, Jim Rome. It's really entertaining because it's, it's one of those times before Shock TV uh, D had really gotten to that point, you know. So when yeah. we saw it, it was like, wow, are you kidding me? Did that just happen? You know, it was right out of the WWE. You know, took him right out of his chair. And, you know, they had to censor him because he was cussing him out at the same time. You know, but uh, it was because he was like, boop, boop, boop. I was like, oh, what just happened? What just happened? You know, the, 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 the long and short of the story goes that that particular, uh, that, that, that piece right there really put Jim Rome on the map. We didn't hear too much more from Jim Everett after that. Okay, but Jim Rome, it actually skyrocketed his career to, you know, more exposure and everything. So for him, I guess it was a a, a calculated, a well-calculated butt whooping, if you will, because he wasn't going to challenge an NFL quarterback. I don't care how soft he may have thought he was. Okay, and Jim Rome goes all the five foot two. So it looked like David and Goliath, but uh yeah, that was that was one of those things that you you never forget if you if you saw it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's pretty comical. Yeah, that, 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 you hit, you laid that one out perfectly, and uh, you know, and part of it was because Everett was uh, a guy. Anytime it was like he was going to get a hit, he he fell down like woo. I mean, he avoided contact a lot, and that was part of uh, Rome showing even clips of him avoiding these things. And so, you know, he was. There was this very talented quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks, could throw, get all that stuff, but but wasn't the kind of person who was going to take too many hits. This other one, I went to look at a list of them, but this a couple popped out that a couple that I wasn't as familiar with: Mike Tyson versus LL Cool J. And I guess it comes out of uh, LL had this beef going with cannabis, and backstory was you know they had this beef. Uh, going and actually, LL had cannabis on uh, on a uh, track. It was multiple cats on the track, and uh, uh, cannabis laid his line. So part of the truth, cannabis laid it, and uh, and then LL came in later, laid a track, and then really that dissed him in that track. So cannabis had already laid his track. LL came at the end, laid, laid the track, and uh, they dissed cannabis in the track. Created some a few. And so Cannabis had a song called Second Round Knockout, or Second Round yep, Knockout, where he also he had Tyson in the video with him. And so, you know, which LL kind of went off uh, in response to Tyson being there. And then LL came back with his own 
uh, uh, the Ripper. So he had he had a diss album, a diss record called Jack the Ripper uh, before. So then he came back for this this one for this one called The Ripper Strikes Back, in which he started dissing not only cannabis but uh, Tyson, uh, who was a convicted racist, rapist, yeah, not racist, rapist. Uh, make sure we get that right. That began to be now. You know, LL is a strong cat. I know he got a little tussle with Jamie Foxx on set on uh, any given Sunday, but 97, that, that wasn't the kind of mic you want to mess with. Like, not a 97 mic, not a 96 mic. You know, maybe the mic now that's kind of doing shows and a little bit more docile, but not, not even, not a 97 mic. So I don't, this one, when I heard this one, I'm like, it, it might go walk up on you. Like, it wasn't like LL was going to be in spots where he wasn't going to see bite. And so uh, this one kind of surprised me. I don't know if you ever heard about this, D. You you kind of surprised me with this one because I had to look. I remember I remember the raps. I remember hearing them. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that they were disses uh, to Mike Tyson. Okay, uh, and, and LL Cool J, if you all recall, especially when he was in the heyday of his rap, you know his you know LL. Uh, stood for Ladies Love Cool J. That's what that stood for. So the <laughs> right, brother always right. came out, you know, he 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 was always, you know, uh, buffed up, you know, took his shirt off and all this kind of stuff to kind of give off that real macho persona, all right? Then he would go on and do his thing. That's the way he performed all the time. That being said, I wouldn't have messed with Mike Tyson. I don't care if I had an AK-47, okay, back in 1997. This cat was one of the most lethal, one of the most dangerous fighters in 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 in, in boxing, you know, at the time. And um, even if, and, and I'm trying to recall, I think he had already lost to Buster Douglas during this time. I think he was starting his decline uh, to some degree, but he was still Mike Tyson. Okay, right. he still had the most lethal uppercut I've ever seen. And I don't care how many weights you lift. Okay. There's just sometimes you got you got to be cool. Now maybe he thought and like again, a lot of stuff is always behind the scenes. They you know they do this kind of stuff yeah. and you find out later that you know what we're gonna set this off a little bit and see where it goes. But you know I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have messed with Mike Tyson because there was there was an element of crazy to that brother. And anybody who's gonna put the tattoo that he's got on his face right now and he doesn't even know what it is. Okay, <laughs> I would, just went full right. with him, but uh, yeah, that one, that one, we had to do some research on. I, I, I do remember the raps, remember them clearly, you know. Um, but I didn't realize that there was a Mike Tyson uh, uh, beef to that. Yeah, and if you want to hear like the the the, the song that kind of got the cannabis LL one, I think it's four three two one. It's on the Phenomenon album by LL. Uh, that where where cannabis, they kind of had something going, and then. I think this was part of kind of a resolve or trying to resolve whatever. They came on this joint together, and Cannabis laid his track, and then LL laid his track afterward after hearing it. And Cannabis had said something about, uh, you know, because LL's known for the mic, and said something about that. But it wasn't really, a, I don't think, a shot at LL. So then LL laid this track, uh, laid this, uh, uh, laid uh, sixteen bars or whatever that uh, that was, uh, it was it was like napalm, um, and so. That kind of get it. So if you ever want to track some of this stuff, you can go back, listen to the music, get a sense of what was going on uh, with these ties. But that was a great one. The other one, and this is one I think most people saw but didn't quite understand the relationship, but it evolved uh, a little bit, was between 50 
and, and, and Mayweather. Now, most people might remember that, you know, 50 and Mayweather were, became real tight, cool, actually working together, doing some promotional stuff. That was as uh, uh, Mayweather was launching um, the TMT stuff with uh, a lot of the gear. And, um, and so he and 50 were doing it, uh, were connected. I think 50 even came out, a couple fights with him. Um, and there was some tension that uh, kind of uh, evolved between them. Um, and then um, uh, Pacquiao was, uh, you know, th- there was a lot of tension around the Pacquiao fight. Um, uh, and, and so then, you know, uh, 50 uh, is seen, uh, you know, with Pacquiao, uh, I believe, with the belt. And then that's where uh, I think Mayweather called 50 a, a male groupie. Um, it kind of <laughs> pushed him in that way and, and began to kind of refrain. So that broke off. And, you know, now, them two cats, that's the interesting thing because 50 can throw some hands. Now, I know I love Mayweather, though. Mayweather's the greatest, but, you know, 50 is <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Uh, and there's rumors about them even sparring, I think, sometimes in 50. So it's, it's a, that's an interesting uh, uh, beef in terms of how it evolved because both of those guys are calculated. Like, you don't know how much it's the beef versus how much they position them. Uh, how much did you know about, a, 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 you know, you know, track or even see that kind of tension between 50 and uh, and, um, uh, Mayweather. I think, you know what, I think with that one it was, and pardon the pun, but I think that was 50-50. So let me me explain (laughs) it a little bit. (laughs) Because I think part of that was actually absolutely true, because one thing you said about being very, very calculating, okay, was that, let's, let's go back to the year we're talking about here. Um, there was a, that there there was only one fight that Floyd Mayweather could make, okay, and it was going to be a doozy, and that was going to be against the undefeated Manny Pacquiao. Now, as we all know, that Pacquiao was beaten before he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, and that took a lot of the sizzle off of that fight. Even though the fight went on, and you know Floyd danced like Fred Astaire for twelve rounds and won. Uh, the fact of the matter was that that was going to be the big money maker, and Floyd, it seemed to a lot of folks, was dodging that fight. He was talking about uh, Pacquiao having to take a drug test and all these different things, and I and so like I said, with those two working the way they were working, I think some of it was calculated, and I think it was calculated towards Mayweather to try to get him to take that fight, and then on the other piece on that is that you know Mayweather with his gift of gab, came back the way he came back. The reason why I be, I'm telling you, D, that it was calculated because they did make up after that. You know, everything went nice. The fight went off. Uh, uh, I think they were boys, but I think there was, I do believe, you know, let, let, let's put it out there. You know you can take a cat, all right? You know that that's the fight you, you, you need to take. And quit messing around, quit BSing, going to get it in. And and I think Floyd just kept fooling around, fooling around, and it looked like he was dodging uh, Pacquiao. And, and and 50 was right there involved with that. So I think that that piece was calculated, okay. And but I don't think enough that uh, and, and 50 being who he is, and we watch how he operate, he don't never completely sever ties with folks he know that he can still still make money from. Okay, you just you just watch how he operates, okay. That's 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 not so much the fifty cents. That's the Curtis Jackson part. All right. So when you look at that, you know you you yeah they they probably made nice. 
because if there was a way for each of them to make money off of each other, they were going to. You want to get a good um, uh, a good idea of of how how uh, uh, Curtis Jackson, Fifty Cent, really um, do business. There's a movie out there called Southpaw. Okay, stars Jake Gyllenhaal, and uh, Fifty Cent plays a fight promoter. Watch that movie. I can promise you, if you watch that movie, you kind of get an understanding of what happened with Mayweather. I wouldn't be surprised if what you saw there is kind of what happened uh, with those two. Great, great, great bringing those nuggets in. Uh, uh, I love it. And, and the element of, like, a real good sports kind of uh, star versus entertainer beat is you know it's raw. Like, Spike and and uh, Reggie, you know there was some fun, but you knew it was raw. And it wasn't done for any self-promotion. It was just straight competitiveness. It was like the New York – Spike got the New York state of mind. That's just how we get down. You know, uh, with Reggie, like, I'm from the West Coast, you know, Cali. This is how we do it. We take nothing. We take no shorts from our friends or whatever. In this space, competitive. So that rawness of it is very important. And when you send some of these other motives, it takes away from the power of that of that, that, that beef and that exchange, and there's some wittiness. Now, there was some wittiness to part of this because both of them are pretty witty when they exchange and cut it up a little bit. They're going to say some funny stuff, um, but it's great. The final one wasn't really a current athlete, but really a coach and a uh, on-air personality. And this was one, and I couldn't quite figure it. It came off at a little bit of hate because Doc Rivers, as most people know, it, part of it was almost like a uh, – setting up a trade to the Clippers when he left. So they had to set for him to go to the Clippers, there had to be some, some stuff exchanged for Doc to be able to go. And this has happened in the past. Um, uh, so Doc could leave because apparently, you know, Doc um, uh, did not want to be part of a rebuilding effort. It was probably pretty clear uh, with the big three being at the stages they were with, um, you know, uh, and with, um, uh, 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 Ray Allen going to Miami and, and a lot of other things that Boston was heading towards a rebuilding stuff. You know, at that point in his coaching career, most people understand that's not what he wanted to do. And so Bill Simmons, you know, Boston native and big Boston fan, um, was pretty was was saying that Doc was not being truthful publicly. Uh, that he he actually on the Celtics and uh, at. At the end of one of the playoff games, he was being interviewed and asked about it. He said he would call Simmons an idiot, but he, he wanted to be kind. And then they they, they shoot the tape back to uh, the set, at, you know, live on the air. Um, and uh, there's some exchange with Bill Simmons about it. And Bill Simmons is basically like, he just needs to tell the truth. So this beef, in some ways, some of this beef might have been part of what eventually got Bill Simmons pushed out of, uh, of ESPN, but it was very public. And, and sometimes when I heard Bill Simmons saying stuff about Doc, it was like, hey, it's not the kind of stuff you actually would say sitting from where you're sitting in that public space. That's a different kind of beef, but that is a, a, a beef. What did you, when you saw that, what, did you, what, what, what kind of hit you when you saw that kind of emerge? Well, look here. The, the, the problem was Bill Simmons knew something, okay? Because where did Doc end up going? He ended up going to L.A. He ended up going to L.A. It. So so he knew this, okay? And what he was trying to get Doc to do was fess up, all right? Now, the fact that now, – now, this is the kind of beef, 
that we can relate to as fans, okay? We know something. We hear something. We we got we, we probably got it from a reliable source something is going on. Nothing drives you crazier, D, than when you know something. When you got an inkling of something and everybody keeps acting like, like you stupid, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, with Bill Simmons, <laughs> what he messed up was he was a national uh, reporter, okay? You know, he worked with ESPN, but he was also a big Boston fan, okay? And what happens a lot of times is that fandom takes over from your professionalism. And this, this isn't the first time this has happened. So he was telling Doc, tell the truth. Don't you don't you know that I know what you about to do? So Doc was trying to now Doc's a competitor, okay? He 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 played in the mm-hmm. NBA and everything. He's trying to keep everything cool. He's still getting needled on this. And so he's like, Look, mm-hmm. can you just shut up on that? That's basically what he's saying to him. He he don't know what the hell he's talking about. Shut up talk shut up talking about that. And he wouldn't let Doc off the hook. All right. So he's saying what Doc is gonna do, he's gonna leave his team high and dry. Okay, and everything you just mentioned. And Doc, didn't, and Doc didn't appreciate that. Now, what, what, what's funny about this is that professionalism eventually, with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these stories we've talked about today, all these topics we've talked about this morning, this, this afternoon, is that these folks have a tendency to get it back right for the professional reasons. Okay, you can't get mad at a Bill Simmons if I told the truth and I just didn't want to tell it. And you keep on needling me on it. All right, I can get, I, I can be upset about it because I don't want to reveal that right now. Okay, but when you end up going to L.A., that tells me that Bill Simmons was right, right? He, that means he, he was right. I just didn't want to say nothing. So it becomes a beef because uh, I'm, I'm really putting it on you to do something you don't want to do, and that makes an individual uncomfortable. And that's basically what he did with Doc Rivers, all right, calling him Glenn and all this other kind of stuff, taking all of the, the nicety away from it and saying, just say what it is. So I think that's what you, that's what you get to. So I'm going to do whatever I can to push you off your square. That's what I'm trying to do. I, that's my job. That's my job. I need to push you off the square. Now, I'm needling you more than anybody else because this is my team. I, yeah. I'm concerned about this team, and I need and these fans need to know, and I need to know what you're going to do. All right? And doctors like, shut your mouth. I don't want to tell you nothing, and I'm not going to tell you nothing. So it becomes a battle of wills. It becomes a battle of ego. But when all is said and done, it's like, well, you know, he had a job to do. I'm where I'm going to be. It's not a beef worth holding on to. But for Bill Simmons, it may still be, all right, until the next Boston championship because of how that whole thing went down, you see? So that's what I think this is all about. I don't think a lot of these, with the exception of, you know, we go back to the Spike Lee um, and Reggie Miller, because Reggie Miller was a, was a, was a Nick killer, okay, and that was his squad. And when you got that sort of passion, all right, and, and we could talk about it at any level. We're just talking about it because you're talking about celebs, okay? But it's no different than me sitting up there on a on a cool, crisp uh, Ann Arbor uh, November afternoon, okay, and I could be cool with somebody from Ohio, but not that day. <laughs> <laughs> What I say uh, uh, thing about what you just said was the one thing that got me, because everything you said is correct, the one thing that got me with this one is it's different if, you know, you're um, Stephen A. Smith pushing at that same thing because you're hearing different stuff 
I think Bill Simmons stuff felt a little bit more like fandom than reporting. Exactly. And it was like hate, 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 hate. Like, you know, more of hate. Like, I'm going to hate on you because I know you're leaving my team more than I'm reporting. Like, you know, there's stuff that happens in New York that Stephen A. will report on, but you feel like he's reporting. He, he's not, even though he, he might be a Yankees fan, he's not, he'll let you know when it's Yankees fan stuff. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't like no going to fight. separate that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. He, 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 he couldn't separate that um, in a way that um, made you feel like it was professional. And I think that's the part that was uh, 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 funny for me, you know, uh, uh, because it was like he was he was just going to to uh, do it because he's gonna make you pay. If you're gonna leave my team, he's gonna make you pay. Now the other exactly. one, and we'll leave after this one. The one, the other one that uh, I love because this one ends up on wax as well. When you had Deshaun Stevenson and Soldier Boy against Jay Z and LeBron when they're playing that for series, that series. And Jay Z ended up dropping, <laughs> dropping something on him. Soldier Boy tried to get, like both LeBron crushed him on the court, and Jay Z crushed him on wax. Now that <laughs> is a great beat. <laughs> they hit you with a double whammy, and then everybody went down. So that adds to the element of playoffs or championships. When you have that little extra stuff happening out of there, I love it. It adds a little extra something for us to talk about. Um, I'm glad we were able to do this. When we come back, we're going to get into, like, the components of what, beyond the beef, the components that make a good finals. As we close out, one mic, you listen to RSG by Carbon World Health. Go to carbonworldhealth.com. Let Dr. Dester and his staff uh, know that uh, the Real Sports Guys uh, sent you and uh, uh, experience that kind of full-body beauty solution. Hi, this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Whoopig. Just in sports uh, and, and, and entertainment, 
you know, what are some of the beasts we've noticed over the past, uh, you know, uh, 20 years that have just been interesting, funny, or whatever. And so it's been good to, to talk about that. And we're going to use that to pivot um, into digging a little bit deeper into, like, what makes a good final. And obviously, uh, what doesn't make good finals is the blowout that happened here in game one. That, that definitely, definitely doesn't make good finals. But we've watched a lot of fun NBA finals over the past, and some have been legendary, some have been great. And, like, just what are those components that, that make uh, up a, a, a great uh, uh, finals is something we want to get into. And so I, I'll, I'll start out with some things that um, have come to mind for me. And then, you know, obviously, Hank, you can play off some of this stuff, but some components that I just as I thought about over the years, you know, a healthy hatred between teams for me does it. You know, when you have someone like Draymond, you know, after losing last year, saying, you know, I want to play him again, and I, we just gonna we're gonna destroy him. You know, that right there told you there's there's there's, there's a dislike, there's hatred is bubbling up, and we've seen that over the years. It's what I call a bad boys moment. Uh, you know, Hank and I, you know, we're Pistons fans. When you have a file that is just send you a message file, and I quite haven't seen that in this series yet, but I think we're gonna have one of those moments where you know Zeke, you know Zeke and Magic kiss at the tip off. Zeke goes to Magic, basket, Magic <laughs> knocks Zeke into the first row. You know, at that point, he's just letting his teammates know that that's you know today I, he ain't my boy. You know, and you gotta have that moment where it's a little bit more physical. Could be a flagrant one. You know, but it lets you know that we're just not having it. Obviously, those signature moments. We've all seen those in, you know, the LeBron block last year uh, was a signature moment. Um, you know, Kyrie crossing over Steph and dropping the, the game winner, you know, uh, is a signature moment. You know, Jordan pushing off and uh, hitting it in Utah with his, you know, you know, it, you know, and walking off the court sick. You know, there's, some, there's those signature moments that I think are, are important. Coaches and players, you know, don't fear the presser. Like, I love play. I love when, you know, and kind of what I loved about Steve Kerr and, and Tyron Lue, they, they kind of just say what they mean. They don't quite hide it. They give you enough information. They're leaning into it. They don't mind taking a shot here, too. They just – the coaches allow you to see inside their strategy a little bit more, a little bit open. I think Doc Rivers was great with that when he was in the finals, just kind of leaning into it. Um when the legacy is on the line, and I think this series has some of that, you know, where KD and LeBron's legacy is going to be de- determined a lot on the outcome of this series. There's going to be a lot to be said about that, um, as well as steps. Um, uh, applying uh, kind of uh, applying some of these things, you know, we want to talk a little bit, you know, we might, we're going to apply them to how we might think about game two, but I want, I want to think a little bit back on just some of those things I mentioned and what you might add to it, uh, Hank in terms of what makes uh, a good series? Well, look, I think that you, you, you brought up a lot, of good, a lot of good points, but when I look at a series like this or any final series, first of all, you want to look at the matchups, okay? And what really, when you really, as a basketball fan, you're ready to settle in, you want, you want a finals that it, deep down in your heart, unless you have a rooting interest, unless it's your team, if it's not your team, you want to sit down and you want to see a knockdown, dragout fight for seven games. You want to see some amazing plays. You want to see uh, just some outstanding coaching. You want to see everything that is basketball. You want to see physical play, but you want to also see finesse play. 
okay, from what's supposed to be two of the best teams in the league. Okay, you're going to see some blowouts, but you're going to see teams come back and punch somebody in the mouth. Okay, you want to see what they used to call back in the day that 15-round heavyweight fight. That's what you want to see for what, for what makes a great finals. Now, the one thing that I will say I often want to see, and I, and, and I wax nostalgic every time I, we get to this point of the year, is I want to see them play. Referees, unless somebody is knocked up in the third row, Put your whistle down. There is no excuse. I, you know what? I'm going to get on my soapbox on this, D. Indulge me for a minute. There is no excuse at any particular time in the finals where two things happen, okay? I think the NBA still should take a look at this. This is deplorable. Number one, at no time do you suspend anybody during the NBA finals unless they come out there wielding a blade or a weapon and screaming ISIS. You do not take them off the floor. This is not the time, okay? You don't do that, all right? That is a, that is a, a, a competitive disadvantage. I don't care. This is the finals. Figure out something. Make those fines absolutely ridiculous. Set them out for half the season. I don't care what you do. You don't do that. Number two, especially when you're talking about, well, we got a flagrant here, a flag. I don't care. You don't take anybody off the floor. Number two, there is no way in the world the MVP of the league fouls out of a ball game. What the hell are you doing, referees, NBA? How can you possibly let that happen? Are you kidding me in a game seven? That does that. That should not ever happen. You are taking you you're giving a team a competitive advantage in a game seven. Sit down, watch the game like everybody else. Your job is to officiate the game, not to be part of the game to the point where now it has become a a, a an advantage for one team or the other. I am absolutely serious about that. When you grew up in an era, folks, where you watched. Uh, uh, one player absolutely throw three punches to another player where you're knocking down in the paint, and all he got was a slap on the wrist but never got taken off the floor. When you saw somebody go to the hole and you saw the other player literally grab him around the waist and throw him up in the fourth row and all he got was two free throw shots. Now, I get it. I understand. We're in a different era of basketball. And maybe we want to kind of tone it down a little bit. But for God's sakes, let them play. You gotta let them play. When you get to this level, this is right here where all of the NBA is out there for all the world to see. If nobody watches anything else, they're gonna watch the finals. And you gotta let these great players play their game, okay? And let's see what the outcome is going to be. Listen, man, this is what makes for a great finals when you see these great players able to do what they need to do, and the referees. Really just regulate the game. Now, I'm not saying, and, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious here. No, you ain't got the bloody somebody's nose for somebody to get a foul call, okay? But the fact is, let them play. Let it be a, if you know you, got, you can't find a foul. And you know what happens when you do that? LeBron, you got to stay on your feet and quit, and quit dipping and dopping and, and crying. Dude, you're the biggest dude on the floor. Don't sit here and tell me because somebody brushed up against you, you act like you ain't. You wasn't built that way. Get real. You're a great player. Play the game. These are, these are the components that makes for a great finals. When you sit down 
and you know you're going to watch a great game, and both of those teams got to come and bring it because they don't have an, an advantage because somebody's going to be taken off the floor after three games or somebody's going to get fouled out in the game seven after, after four pity pat fouls. Let them play. That is my big deal because if you let these players play, you will be surprised at what you see. That, that, that to me is what makes it great because you've got the best teams. You're supposed to have the best teams. Let the best players play. So uh, it, 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 I love what you said about, uh, you know, uh, the fouls on, you know, down the stretch. Just, you know, Steph's last two fouls were highly questionable uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, fouling out. However, I'm not going to knock LeBron for gamesmanship because, to me, that's one of the things we're missing in sports that I appreciate. People confuse with breaking rules and cheating. There's, there's a thing called gamesmanship, which is, is an important part of sports has always been to get you pulled in something you know you shouldn't be pulled into. Reggie Miller was the master of gamesmanship, you know, to the point he irritated you and make, made you fling back, back at him uh, um, uh, so much of it. And so, but I, I'm with you. I mean, those are both moments where you could have easily swallowed the whistle and let them play on. Because ball wasn't really changing possession a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? It's not affecting the play. And that just get up, get up, and keep playing. So there are, you know, you know, great finals are where you, you probably the referees aren't part of it. You know, they're making calls, but you don't see that they're a significant part of it. You're hitting it right on the head. You know, they don't. They should not be the story. Now, ref, now coaches will make them the story sometimes, but overall, you might be just seeing good play. So I think you hit it right on the head um, around it. As we think about game two and some of these elements, um, what are you seeing as some of the key things that both the Cavs and Golden State need to do? Golden State probably continues to need to do, and the Cavs uh, will have to make adjustments. What is something – I've been going back and forth with Game Changer. Game Changer had a lot of good stuff about points that the Cavs might need to do to make adjustments. Uh, we've been going text back and forth. And we've been going to this greatest thing. I've been I've been pushing Kareem on these cats. We we, we gotta get game changer on here because we we we've been going back and forth. We've been on our, on our, uh, our real sports guys fan uh, Facebook page. I gotta come and check us out on real sports guy. We've been going back and forth from that over there. But for this one, uh, we did hit some elements about the adjustments. Like what what adjustments given some of the things we're talking about that make it the finals that uh, these teams need to make. Well, there's a couple things. Well, the first of all, the Cleveland defense. It's got to get better, okay? I just what, – what I saw in game one was a lot of empty floor, and I saw a lot of uh, Golden State just able to just go to the hole at will, all right? So there's a couple of elements there, and, and, it, is, and it is Kevin Durant. And, and, and what is his factor – you know, what, what is his role here in this final? So there was no Kevin Durant last year, okay? A big man that can shoot from the outside, go to the hole with the best of them. Okay, Cleveland has got to figure out what they're going to do with him for the next six ball games. You know, do you be bold enough to say, okay, let's put LeBron on him and, and, and let's be physical with, with, with uh, Steph, all right, because on that offensive side, you know, that's going to be – that's, that's a component that they have to figure out because KD can do a lot of different things. He's playing like he's healthy now. And remember, we had this conversation on a few shows that they're going to do all they can to make sure he's ready for this run. That it doesn't matter where they where they land during the playoffs, as long as he is ready to go when they get to this point. And it looks like that's exactly what they've done. All right. The other piece there that no one's really talking a whole lot about is Mike Brown. Now, see, Mike Brown 
is a veteran of the finals before. You know, he was actually with Cleveland for a minute, so he kind of understands uh, what that team is trying to do. All right, so watch what he's talking about and and what he's doing with this particular uh, uh, Golden State team. The other piece, though, that that because I, I thought I thought Cleveland, outside of the fact that they just really they got to rebound better, offensive board. I was kind of shocked at how many times uh, Golden State was able to get to the get to the uh, de- uh, defensive boards and get their transition out. Okay, that was, those are things that I saw in game one that they have to improve on, all right? Um, unless they are planning for a long series and trying to get this series back to, to Cleveland, kind of looking at what happened last year. And the third one, I don't think they can do anything about, okay? The third one is they they got to get uh, uh, Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thomas Thompson said they got they got to break up, but you know that's that that's nothing but the kiss of death right there. So I mean I, I don't know if they can do anything about that. And, and, and I didn't hit the Rihanna thing, but the only thing other thing I said about the Rihanna thing, I was like I'm wondering what LeBron's wife is thinking about the way Rihanna is cheering for the kids. Exactly. So that, that that was the element I did want to throw into the beef conversation. That you know is you know uh, you know it's one of, it felt like one of them JFK moments. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it alone. Uh, but I would add to your thing is that Tristan Thompson has to be more active. Uh, up until this point, he, he's been he's been your uh, Rodman type guy. He's got to be more active. The other thing is, I think that they got to make the shooters uncomfortable. You know, KB and them was just out there moving around too easy, and I think he, they got to get up in their space and make them uncomfortable, whether they make it or not make them uncomfortable, and they only get one shot. So we're going to make you uncomfortable, and then we only give you one shot when we rebound and going out. I think it's got to be that simple um, and, and keep it. And then on offense, I think they got to get Steph more involved in their screen role like they did last year and go downhill. So, you know, if, if, if get whoever Steph is guarding involved in that pick and roll, make them defend on that end uh, so that you can, get, you can get him wearing him down on both ends, fighting through screens, doing some of those things that are happening. I know uh, – um, uh, uh, Marcus has some really good uh, stuff that he laid out in terms of, you know, really be- beginning to tack downhill a little bit more. Um, but I think Tristan Thompson's got to be much active. I think he's – Ty Lue has – one of the, the problems he has with all these additions is he's got a lot of options. He, in this game, too, he's got to find the, the, the eight or nine players or seven or eight players he can run with for long stretches to get continuity going. And whether it's played – because J.R., he's got to play J.R. a little bit more. And even if J.R. has been doing well defensively, you know, if you put him on Kevin Durant just to harass him, even though Kevin can shoot over him to do that and get J.R.'s energy into the game a little bit. J.R.'s got that competitive edge and get him into that game. He's got to find those kind of moments and really figure out who he wants to play in different moments because he has options, but he's got, he might have to tighten it for game two to get more continuity. And it means he's got to manage timeouts in a way that can keep LeBron rested uh, and on the court. Um, I think some of those things will be important in game, too. And then I think for Golden State, I think one of the things they're going to have to do is their big thing is psychologically is, is not fall in love with the success they had in game one, meaning that, that those things that they did in game one could lead to turnovers, <laughs> could lead to more ill-advised quick shots that could turn into other things. Like, so 
where they got to have a critical eye, because that's the hardest thing to do when you won by as easy as you did to have a critical eye. Um, they got to be disciplined enough to have a critical eye, because they're the kind of team that will come out and get careless and have 10 turnovers in the first quarter and a half. And against Cleveland, that's going to be a problem, because those turnovers will turn into baskets. Um, and so I think that's the thing they got to really – the complacency and – um, and, and 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 having the eye towards the things that they got away with in game one that they don't want to continue to do, you know, rather than not worry about adjusting those things. You know, you you, you make a, you make a valid point on all of those. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking again as you were talking. Um, I was thinking about uh, Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green came out later and said, I am the reason why we lost the finals last year. And so I'm just thinking about, as you were talking about not falling in love with the successes uh, of what happened in game one, it's just going to be really interesting to watch, number one, uh, how, how Cleveland comes out this evening and also how Golden State comes out. But once they get back to Cleveland, you know, I want it's going to be real interesting to watch KD and Draymond. Okay, because we, we we all know the names. Okay, we all know the names. We know about about Clay. We know about um, you know about about Steph. You know, we 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 know about Kyrie. But those two guys right there. Okay, the, the, you're talking about the players who got an axe to grind. All right, the, the, Draymond Green missing missing a game five, and all of a sudden it's seven games, and now you've out you're out the, you've lost the the finals. And you're talking about KD that made this move, made the move to sign with Golden State for a moment such as this. It's going to be interesting to watch those two this entire series. And when if this team gets complacent at Golden State with just chucking up threes and doing what they did last year, what does these, how does these two players respond? How, do they, how does Draymond, does he, does he lose his mind this year, or does he play more within himself? So that's, mm-hmm. that's, those are the two uh, uh, storylines I'm going to pay very close attention to. you got Cleveland that's, you know, now in a very interesting role of defending a title, all right? And you play a lot of ball games. And, and LeBron James has played a lot of basketball in the, last, in the last seven years. He's played the last game of the season the last seven years. Does it take a toll on him? You know, the, the NBA season is a, is, a, is a long, arduous season, 82 ball games, traveling back-to-back games. Okay, he's not a spring chicken anymore, and he's now expected to carry the squad. Michael Jordan didn't play in seven straight finals. Okay, and 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 Chuck Daly once said, after a while, you get to a point in your career there's no more big games. We're gonna have mm-hmm. to watch these. You, you, we have to we have to pay attention to this going into this. This this looks like on paper it's gonna be a great series, but mm-hmm. but just what I what I've discussed, what I've talked about, it's gonna be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, those are good points. And um, you know, LeBron James, every every championship he's won, he's lost game one. And so that's an interesting uh dynamic and so it's like what does he learn from that loss about the other team that sets the strategy moving forward? We're gonna learn a lot here in game two here in a little while. But as we close out, we always gotta drop the mic. And you know, Hank has been on fire. This is uh RSG one mic, you know, brought to you by Carbonwell Health. Go to CarbonwellHealth.com. Um, contact Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff and let them know that the Real Sports guys sent you. But it's been a great day. We've been talking about the NBA Chronicles, the finals, 
you know, looking at everything from beefs to what makes up a good finals to analyzing a little bit of game two. But now we're going to drop the mic and let, uh, you know, Hank hit on whatever he wants to hit on here to close us out. Uh, as we close out another RSG one mic, switching over to you, Hank. Well, thank you, D. Well, you know what? We, in, in, in the world we're living in right now, you know, we, we spend a lot of time here uh, on our – take our Sunday afternoons to kind of really try to lighten the mood and really try to get folks to really get back to a point or to a time when things was fun. We talked a little bit about beefs and everything, but these beefs that we talked about today really came from gamesmanship. You know, it wasn't really a whole lot of lack of of respect. It was just because I was on one side, you was on each other. But we respected those differences. But when we got between the lines, when we got on the court, when we got on the ice, when we got on the field, we gave it everything we had to defend our cause, to defend our issues. But once all was said and done, what did we do? We came together. We shook hands. We We would say, nice job, good game. We'll get you the next time. People in life, we need to start getting to that, okay? We need to understand that regardless of what side of the field that, that, that we're playing on, that we're all playing the same game, all right? We, I, have, I have heard over the course of the last week or so of, of this attack, that attack. We're attacking each other because we're not paying attention to the game that we're playing. We're playing the game of life, and we're playing it together, okay? And when all is said and done, we need to be able to shake hands at the end and say, nice job. Otherwise, there's no winners and there's no losers. Or there's there are only there, there's no winners, let me rephrase that, and say that there's only losers. Let's think about that as we get into our next week. This thing right here is for my people's streets. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic.